Thank you, sir. Okay. Ah, now the good stuff. It's a good weekend for Labor Day because this happened. So I cannot tell you the gender yet because they're having a, a gender reveal. People get to go see the baby and guess what the gender is. So let's just do this here. You're looking at the baby. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Say yay if you think it's a boy. Yay, yay if you think it's a girl. Yay. Some of you are right. <laughs> Cannot yet be revealed. I got it right. So that was good. What did I guess? I can't tell you what I guessed. I would be in trouble if I told you what I guessed. Oh, I'm so tempted. I can't. <laughs> no, my wife's going. <laughs> All right, enough. Get that picture off of there. Deeper. We are in a series called Deeper. And this morning, uh, in our series, we're going to talk about apples, oranges, and spare tires. What is that all about? You will have to wait and see. And yeah, I was looking at this. I've got my own spare tire here. I need to get rid of this spare tire. Now, I need to give credit here. This, this sermon was inspired by one that I preached when we did 40 Days in the Word, which was inspired by one from the 40 Days in the Word series six, seven years ago. You ever been in a long conversation and you start drifting off. You know, when it's one of those one-way conversations and, you, and you're seriously trying to keep attention, but they keep going, they're going over the same thing like the third time through and your mind starts to go, you're drifting out past Venus and Mars and, and they're just going and going and going. And then it gets to a point, you know, there's, there's that moment when you realize they're expecting some feedback. There's been a pause, or they're looking at you, and, and, and you've no clue. It's like, oh. And you try and fake it, right? Yeah, okay. And they look at you, what? Okay, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sandra does it to me all the time. You haven't listened, have you? No, I haven't listened. And then we have to do it again. <laughs> Today's scripture comes from one of those long conversations, probably the longest conversation in all the Bible, four chapters, one conversation, four chapters long. It's Jesus talking to his disciples, mostly him doing the talking, immediately prior to his arrest. If you look at those four chapters, it's red letters, red, if you've got a red letter Bible. But let me tell you something about this passage of Scripture. No one's fallen asleep and no one is losing attention in this conversation. It's all good stuff. It's all kind of, there's a, there's a whole bunch of, say what, kind of moments all the way through it. Now to add to the intrigue, the, the short passage that we're going to look at today is one of the mis, most misunderstood passages in the Bible, I believe. It was one that was misunderstood by me for many years until I learned to read my Bible a little more, um, a little deeper. The series is called Deeper, right? Jesus is talking about something. 
And people think he's talking about, so, you know the saying? Apples and oranges, right? Is it apples to apples or is it oranges to oranges? Now, ironically, apples to oranges, but Jesus is talking about grapes. But there you go. The one thing that we can agree on in the passage of Scripture, it's all about fruit. But what fruit and why? So if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. I put it in the notes today. It'll be up on the screen as well. Reading from the New Living Translation. So we're just going to read 17 verses of this four-chapter dialogue. Now, because it's four chapters long, we're going to read these, but we might look ahead and we might look back a little bit to get some context. So I'm going to read the whole 17 verses here, and then we'll dive in. And most people know at least some of this scripture. So this is Jesus. He's talking to the 11, not the 12. Judas is gone. He's left already. He's getting ready to betray Jesus. He's got his 11 guys here. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. And it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things, that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Quite a, quite a speech by Jesus. There's, there's so, so much in there. And we got 20 minutes, so we'll do what we can. So let's get into this. What does it say? That's where we go, right? What does it say? So summarize it first. Jesus talking to his disciples about the importance of remaining in him. If we re remain in him, we will bear much fruit. If we don't remain in him, we are fruitless. We are useless. When we bear fruit, we are true disciples 
and glory is given to God. Second thing I get out of there, love is important. Jesus loves us in the manner that the Father loves Jesus. And he commands us to love one another the way that he loves us. So you've got this kind of hierarchy of love coming down from, from God. And then it concludes with this. We've been chosen and appointed to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give us whatever we ask for. So that's what it says. Okay, big picture. What does it mean? This is where it gets a little murky. The most common interpretation of this passage of Scripture is this. You've got to stay close to Jesus to bear fruit. If we do not stay close to Jesus, we will not bear fruit. And if we do not bear fruit, we are useless and will be cast out and burned. Anyone ever heard that teaching? Yeah. You stick with Jesus, you bear fruit, or you go to hell is basically what it's saying. It's what I kind of believe for, for, for many years as I'm reading through this scripture. So you're pretty straightforward to me. Not a very comforting thought, though. And it's apples and oranges because it's not what Jesus is saying. I could see why you would come to that conclusion. So we're going to need to dig a little bit deeper. All right, remember what I said a couple of weeks ago? Big picture, little picture, my picture. Big picture, what's the context, what's the atmosphere? It's tense. Jesus is in a room with his disciples. He knows he's going to get executed. He's going to be betrayed that night. This is the night when they have the Last Supper. And he's preparing his men for what is to come. That's big picture, small picture. He's telling them, this is what's going to happen to me, guys. They're going to, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be convicted. I'm going to be executed. I'm going to die. I'm going to come back. They don't get it yet. But he tells them. And then he starts to encourage them. He says, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm leaving you with a helper that's going to give you power that you have no clue about. You will do greater things than you have seen me do. So he, he's, he's training them up, preparing them for what's happening, and he is encouraging them. And then my picture we'll get to in a little bit. The encouragement is the most important part here. Verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, with that context, does it make sense that Jesus would say, guys, you'd better bear a lot of fruit. If you don't bear a lot of fruit... You're going to get cast off and burned in hell. I'm telling you this so that your joy will be full. Does that make any sense at all? It makes no sense at all, does it? That Jesus would be saying, I'm going to send you a... If you don't stick close to me, if you're not saving people, if you're not... Whatever it is that you're supposed to... You get cast aside and burned in hell. I'm telling you this so that your joy will be full. Like, no. That just doesn't add up. There's something, apples and oranges. There's something wrong here. Sometimes you just got to let the scripture say what the scripture says. We look look for a deeper meaning when there isn't a deeper meaning. 
So a couple of things that, that I notice in this, the word fire that Jesus uses is not the word for hell. It's the word for fire. So, this, so, so what is Jesus saying? This goes back to something I talked about a couple weeks ago. Jesus expects us to be faithful, fruitful, and thankful. That's his expectation of every one of his followers. Faithful, fruitful, and thankful, as I said it. But the only way that that can possibly happen is if we stay close to Jesus. We remain in Jesus. And if we remain in Jesus, connected to Jesus, you will bear fruit. That's what he's telling you. There's no other option. You stay close to me, guys, you will bear fruit. The closer you are, the more fruit you will bear, and it's fruit that will last. The only way that you can be fruitless is if you don't remain in me. And he's warning them. Now, what do you call a fruit tree that has no fruit? Useless. What's the point of a fruit tree that doesn't have any fruit? That's what Jesus is saying. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 1, let's read verse 1 again. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch. What's it say? Of mine that doesn't produce fruit. All the branches belong to Jesus. Jesus isn't losing anyone. He's already told us this. If, 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 if you have trusted in me, if you have believed in me, there are numerous scriptures. He says, I don't even care if you don't do what I say. If you believe in me, if you trust in me, you are mine. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. It cannot be erased. So these are all branches that belong to Jesus. There's a clue right there. I can assure you Jesus is not throwing his branches into hell. So all the branches belong to Jesus, but not all the branches are equal. This is what Jesus is talking about. Some are good fruit-bearing branches, and some are barren. An unfruitful branch is useless to Jesus. What's he saying? You might as well cut it off. Let it dry up and wither. It's not doing anything. Now you think about the modern vernacular. What does it mean to be cut off? You don't get something, right? You're cut off. You do not get the benefit of whatever it was that you had. You're cut off now. That's it. People cut people out of their wills, right? You're cut off. Jesus is saying if if the branch is fruitless, you get cut off. You don't get my, my blessings anymore. You don't get the benefits of this relationship anymore because you're not participating in this relationship anymore. It doesn't mean you're going to hell, but it's not very pleasant. You're drying up. He has expectations. Faithful, fruitful, thankful. Now, think about this. To make this really practical, back in these days, wood was of immense value. They didn't have gas, didn't have electricity, didn't have microwaves. Everything that they cooked, they had to use wood. To heat their homes, 
they had to use wood. There's no waste wood lying around. If a tree's not bearing fruit, you cut it down, you chop it up, you're going to use it for firewood. You're going to use it to cook. It's fuel. And this is what Jesus is saying. If, if you're not bearing fruit, you're kind of useless. We might as well at least use you for something. You can be fuel. You can warm the house. You can cook the food. But he says, but I want you to bear fruit. I want the best for you. I don't want the worst for you. I want the best for you. I love you. You're my child. Stay close to me. You stay close to me, I'll stay close to you. I stay close to you, you bear fruit. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be cut off from the benefits of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want everything that he has for me. I want it all. I want it all, and I want it now, Jesus. I want all that he has for me. I want to bear fruit. So let's talk about fruit for a minute. What, what, what's fruit? Now, here's where we've got to do a little bit of detective work. You ready for some detective work? Going to look into this scripture. Now, what do detectives do? They always have a, a notepad, right? They take notes. They write stuff down. You need to take stuff down. You need to take notes. We talked about this. First thing I see about fruit is in verse 5. It says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So I'll write down, bearing fruit is produced by remaining in Christ. That's in your notes. Bearing fruit is produced by remaining in Christ. The first thing that we see about fruit here. Well, what does that mean? Fruit is a product of my relationship with Jesus. Now, over my times, my time as a Christian, I've seen a lot of well-intentioned, hard-working Christians who are working, but they're not working out of the joy of their relationship with Jesus. They're working because they feel duty-bound, or they feel guilty, or they just want to look good to everybody else. So they're doing stuff because they feel, this is what I should do. I'm Christian. You know, it's my duty to do this. I have to do this. And when you do that, do you know what happens? You get bitter. You get resentful. And you get burned out. And you know those people because those are the people you have the conversations. If I go to them and say, hey, you know what? Would you pray about doing such and such? No, I'm not. Why is it always me got to do everything? Why don't some of those other people do something? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's when you're working, you're trying to hang fruit on your tree. And it's just dropping off. It's just not going to work. Fruit is an inside job. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit within us. When you're bearing fruit for Jesus, you know, we, we pray about this. You come here to serve, or maybe in the week you're serving. Your service is, is not, oh man. It's a joy. It's a fruit of your relationship with Jesus. It's like, man, I just enjoy this. I remember having a conversation with my pastor up in Canada before I was ever doing anything like this. And Sandra and I were serving in small group ministry, and we absolutely loved it. 
We had a big, small group, and it took all of our time because we'd be in conversations with people all week because stuff is going on in their lives, and you're praying with them, and it was busy. And I remember sitting down with Scott saying, I don't have any time for work. But I don't consider my work to be what I do. I consider it to be the means that funds what I do. Here's what I do. I serve Jesus, and I love serving Jesus, and Sandra loves serving Jesus. We loved the fruit that we bore. It was an inside job, remaining close to, to Jesus. When your fruit is the product of your relationship with Jesus, it's a beautiful thing. And it's Labor Day. It's a labor love, a labor of love. Second thing I learned about fruit comes from verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So I'll write that down. Bearing fruit brings glory to God. So I bear fruit when I remain close to Jesus, and bearing fruit brings glory to God. Then looking further on, verse 11, I see the third thing I learn about bearing fruit. I have told you these things so that you will be Filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I'll write it down. Bearing fruit brings me joy. Look at it. Overflowing joy. You know, when you come across those people who just, they're in love with Jesus. They're in love with serving Jesus. You can see it on their faces. There's a countenance on their faces. You can just see the joy in their lives. They're not going through anything less than you're going through. They've still got stuff going on in their lives, but everything is different because of this relationship with Jesus Christ. It brings joy. And I know I've shared this with you before. After our son passed away, Sandra decided on joy. (laughs) I'm going to fill my, I've got to fill my life with joy. And she would go out and buy all kinds of stuff. We have placards and everything around the house with joy, 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 joy. And this Christmas, we were unboxing all of our Christmas stuff, and she gets to like the eighth box of joy. <laughs> she says, do you think I may have overdone it? <laughs> you can't overdo joy. You cannot overdo joy. It's a product of your relationship with Jesus. Try not to put it down. Let it bubble out, overflow you need to hang around people that's got joy. Get some on you. It's good for you. So here's a good start. Here's what we've learned. Bearing fruit is a product of my remaining in Christ. It brings glory to God, and it's going to give me overflowing joy. Now, I'm not sure about you. I want that. Anybody up for this? Yeah? I want some of this. This, this is good, right? But I'm still a little bit fuzzy. What's fruit? I know that I'm supposed to have fruit, but what is this fruit? So I keep digging. What's the series called? Deeper. I'm going to look deeper. So fruit comes from remaining in Christ. Does anything else come from remaining in Christ? So let's dig a little bit deeper. Verse 7. But if you remain in me, And my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. I like that verse. Anybody up for this verse? This is a good one, isn't it? 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So I'm writing this down. Remaining in Christ produces answered prayer. Good. Now I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to expand out a little bit. If you go back to chapter 14, the previous chapter, verses 13 and 14, same conversation, same group of guys. He says to them, you can ask for anything in my name. Okay, just heard that. And I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So write this down. Answered prayer brings glory to God. Have we seen that before somewhere? Keep digging. Flip the other way to chapter 16. Same group of guys, same conversation. Verse 24. He says, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. So I'll write it down. Answered prayer brings me joy. Have we heard that before somewhere? Are you, are you seeing a connection here? Any of you were taking notes? There's a lot of crossover. And it's all from Scripture. So if we can go to the next slide, please. Bearing fruit is produced by remaining in Christ. Answered prayer is produced by remaining in Christ. Hmm, interesting. wonder if there's a link. Bearing fruit brings glory to God. Answered prayer brings glory to God. Maybe there's a link. Bearing fruit brings me joy. Answered prayer brings me joy. So now I'm catching a real distinct link between what fruit is and prayer. Maybe the fruit that I bear is answered prayer. And it rhymes. It's got to be real. <laughs> so I'll write this down. This is in your notes. I bear fruit by asking in prayer. Never thought of it that way, have you? I bear fruit by asking in prayer. The fruit we gain from remaining in Christ is answered prayer. It brings glory to God, and it brings joy to our lives. Now, if you think that's a stretch, you know, Pastor Mike, I'm not really 100% on board. I can, I can kind of see what you're talking about there, but I'm not sure. Jesus kind of closed it up for us in verse 16. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. He makes it real clear and real concise. I want you to ask the Father. And when you ask the Father and he answers, you are bearing fruit. Honor is being given to my name. Because what do we do when God answers our prayers? We tell people, don't we? Man, I've got to tell you something. You know, I was praying about such and such a thing, and, and God did this. Wow. Answered prayer. 
Jesus is not talking about his people losing their salvation because they didn't lead anyone to faith. This isn't a threat. This is an encouragement. He's talking about the Father's desire to show himself strong through answered prayer in your life and in my life. He's saying, I want, I want you to have the very best. Remain close to me so that when you ask the Father, I'm putting in a good word for you and you're going to get it. And glory and honor is given to his name and you will have joy. He's saying, don't take the easy way out because it's easy to take the easy way out. When God tells us to do something, when we've got to remain close to Jesus and it scares us a little bit or it stretches our faith a little bit and we step back from it, as soon as you step back from it, you're losing that connection. You're losing that fruit. Just imagine what it would be like to get up to heaven and, and you meet Jesus and he's got a big old storehouse over there. He says, come on over here. I want to show you something. All of this stuff in this storehouse was yours. But you never asked for it. So I didn't give it. If you'd have asked for it, I wanted to bless you with it. All you had to do was stay close to me and this was coming your way. Wouldn't that be a heartbreaker? Especially if it's like three warehouses. <laughs> Wait, really, Jesus? He wants to answer your prayers. Answered prayer bears fruit. Answered prayer brings glory to God. Answered prayer brings joy to our lives. But it only happens when we remain close to Christ. So let me ask, ask you a question here. It's deeper, right? How's your prayer life? What kind of prayers are you praying? Are you praying big, bold, brave prayers? Are you praying use me prayers? What kind of prayers are you praying? Are you praying big, hairy, audacious prayers? Let me tell you what I think the problem is for most people. This. You've been wondering what that's all about, right? We treat prayer like a spare tire. If we got a flat, life's getting a little bit of little flat for us, we pull out prayer. When we have a need, we pull out prayer. We treat prayer as our emergency spare tire. It's the last resort. And people say it sometimes, right? All we can do now is pray. It's come to that. All we can do now is pray. Is it that bad? No. God doesn't want your prayer to be spare tire prayers just in case there's an emergency. This is what he wants. Stay there, apple, orange, whatever you are. Fruit. He wants prayer to be your steering wheel. He doesn't want prayer to be your, your tire. He wants prayer to be your steering wheel. 
that you get up in the morning and you start calling on the Lord to direct you through the day through his prayer. Every God wants to answer prayers. He wants to bless you with answered prayer, but he wants it. It's got to be first and foremost in your life, not secondary, not just for the sake of emergencies, but for everything. And big, bold, oh, look, that'll fit there. Lovely. It's almost like it's made for it. Big, bold, audacious prayers. He wants it to be your steering wheel for life. It's, it's, it's where you get your fruit. Here's the thing. Much prayer, much fruit. Little prayer, little fruit. No prayer, no fruit. Okay, big picture, little picture, my picture, your picture. Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. If you don't do something with it, you can't bear fruit. And Jesus is saying, here's the problem. I think a lot of people don't pray because they don't see answered prayer. Anybody in understand? Yeah? No? I've prayed a lot of prayers and I didn't get an answer. Or at least I didn't think I got an answer. Or I didn't get the answer I was hoping for. Now here's a problem. I'm going to get really real with us all. We want God to answer our prayers... But we don't necessarily want to follow his teaching. We don't mind following some of it, but not all of it. We don't mind following the good stuff, but when our faith gets stretched, when obedience causes us to to move into an area of inconvenience, then we shrink back. We want him to answer our prayers our way, but we don't want to align our lives with his will for our lives. And then we wonder why there's this disconnect. Why am I not seeing more of the fruit, God? Why am I not seeing more of, of, of answered prayer? And I think sometimes we're praying prayers and God's looking at us and we're praying for a prayer that takes us in this direction. We want God to do what we want. And he's saying, no, I'm not, no this is not a good direction for you. You need to go this way. Oh, God, please. Oh, God, please. Oh, God, please. No, no, no. If you got close to me, you would know this way. But you've got to step out in faith. You've got to get close. You've got to be obedient. You've got to put me first. Then you will bear fruit. Then you will see answered prayer. So let me close up with this. Where do you need to bear fruit? Maybe you need to bear some fruit in your finances. Maybe you need to bear a little fruit in your marriage. Maybe you need to bear some fruit in your health. I know I do. In your friendships, in your job, in your education. Maybe God's calling you to do something. Where do you need 
to bear fruit. Jesus said, you do not have because you do not ask. Keep on asking and you will receive what you asked for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. It's a promise, but it comes about by remaining in Christ. Aligning our lives with Christ. And maybe that's your starting point. Maybe that's your starting point today. My life has not been aligned with Christ. I have a belief in Christ. I like Christ. I got spare tire prayers. But my life is not aligned with Christ. I'm not next to Christ. I'm not following him every day. So that he's steering my life. And I'm seeing this abundant joy that comes from being a follower, obedient follower of Jesus Christ. That's your starting point. And everything else flows from it. You know, at the beginning of this year, we called this a year of living in faith. We're in September. That's been our verse. You probably can't see it. I'm going to read it to you. So we keep on praying for you. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to achieve, accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. We still got a third of the year left. I'm going to challenge you. What big audacious prayers do you need to pray? What steps of faith that you might shrink back from because you don't think you're good enough or you're able or God would use you in that way so you don't ask God to use you? Let me tell you something. God only uses broken, weak people. That's all that's available. But for a broken, weak person that will come to him and say, God, Jesus Christ, would you use me? Would you do things through me that I never dreamed you could do through me? I want to remain close to you. I want to bear fruit. I want to see answered prayer. Draw me to you. It begins with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. All you need to do is be willing. Amen? Amen. Oh, no, there's one verse left. Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, you who are over all things, the eternal, everlasting, all-knowing, all-powerful God, creator of all things, creator of this moment, God, we come to you and we give you thanks because you are our 
And Father, I give you thanks that through Jesus Christ we have your word. And through his words we can see your desire is to bless us. Father, you know each and every heart in this room of those watching online. You know each and every mind in this room and those online. Father, I know there are people in this room who believe in you, who have trusted in your son, Jesus Christ, but they're not remaining in you. They're not close to you. And they have prayer, but it's a spare tire prayer. It just comes out in case of emergencies, in needy situations. And Father, sometimes we just stay in those places because we're afraid. Sometimes we're afraid that you might actually use us. And we don't feel useful. We don't feel worthy. We don't feel able. Father, I pray that you would just take that stuff and push it out the door. Draw close to each and every one in this room, to those who are watching online. Your word says that when we draw close to you, you draw close to us. Fill us with the power of your spirit, Father. Strengthen us and encourage us that we would remain in you and bear much And Father, may we celebrate as we see you break through in our lives. We see prayer answered. We see the kingdom growing in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our church, and in our lives and our families. And we understand, Lord, that it begins with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. Your grace is sufficient. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Now, taking us over, and we've still got communion, so do I apologize? Nah. We can give God an extra 20 minutes, can't we? I think we can. Can I have those come forward, please, that are going to? serve communion I hadn't thought about this being communion and that event taking place on the night that Jesus celebrated the last supper with his disciples that's a happy accident our communion is an open communion what that means is that to everybody who is trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior You get to share communion. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter what gender you are. The only prerequisite for communion is that you have to be a sinner. Any sinners? Who is forgiven by Jesus. And if you've not taken that step to ask Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior to forgive you, it begins with a simple prayer, and you can do it right now. Just bow your head and just say this. Dear Jesus, 
I need you. Please come into my life. Forgive my sin and change me. Give me the faith to trust in you. I believe you died on the cross, sin-free, rose again, and are alive today. I want to be yours. Amen. It's so simple, it seems too simple. But I remember praying that prayer, and it changed my life. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to give you opportunity now to come forward. Please take the juice, take the bread, take it back to your seat, and uh, we'll take communion together. So please come forward and accept communion.